today is titled Christ the Healer. Christ the Healer. We have spent the last two weeks as a church focusing on prayer and humbling ourselves before the Lord because He said those that pray and those that humble themselves and seek His face that He would respond to. Many of you have been through various stages and levels of, of fasting before the Lord. We have some that are on liquid fast and others that are on the Daniel fast and others that took time to fast one meal a day. All of this for the purpose, not, not because we want a diet. That's not a diet. This is for the purpose of, of releasing something within us so that we can be more sensitive to the presence of God than we are normally. And there's something about setting aside those things which we would normally do on a daily basis to elevate Jesus within our thinking and within our lives. My prayer for these, final, for these last two weeks has been that as we get to today and even through this coming week, that there would be a dispensation of the Spirit of the Lord that would be evidenced in the miracles that He does. I still believe in a miracle-working God. I'm not satisfied with just coming to church and hearing a lesson and walking away unchanged. I need contact with an all-powerful God that changes me. In Psalm chapter 103, verses 1 through 4, the Word of the Lord proclaims this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all His benefits. As I was thinking about that, if you would begin to list the benefits that you have within your life because you are in relationship with Jesus, it would take you a while. And for those of you that are here today and you've not yet had the opportunity to experience relationship with Jesus, then you're going to have an opportunity today to begin to experience the benefits of relationship. We are not about religion in this church. Religion is dead and it will leave you hungry and it will leave you with rules and regulations. We are about relationship with a living Jesus Christ who has given to us His Holy Spirit to help us walk on this earth and enjoy life in His presence. Verse 3. He forgives all your sins. That's what we're shouting for right there. And He heals... All your diseases. You're going to hear more about that today. And then there's this. Who redeems your life from the pit. I left these prayer requests on the altar for a purpose today. Because for those of us that have been coming last week in the evening and those of us who have been joining for 6.30 prayer... As we've read this, I want you to know I've discovered that there are a lot of you right now who are living in the pit. There are things taking place in your life that is just the pits. You are so anxious to have the Lord reach down and lift up your face so that you can begin to see the hope of His glory. That you can begin to see answers to prayers of things that you thought may be beyond repairing. I want you to know that the Scripture today says, He redeems your life in the pit. He didn't ignore you when you're in the pit. He redeems you. And He crowns you with love and compassion. Hallelujah for the Word of God. 
I want to take just a few minutes this morning. And I have a lot to say, and so I'm going to stick to my notes so that I don't get sidetracked. You do not have the outline of this in your bulletin, but you have a place for notes. And I'm going to ask that you would go to that place and that you would begin to jot down some scriptures that I'm going to reference. I got up yesterday morning after having prepared all week and the Lord changed the whole direction and have something brand new this morning from what we had prepared. But I like the feeling of knowing that I'm speaking what God wants us to hear today. In the devotional that I've been going through, the writer is Paul David Trippin. In one of the devotions, he wrote something, and I think I shared this one of the evenings during our devotion before we prayed, but it's this. Faith isn't natural to us as humans. Doubt is natural. Fear is natural. Living on our collective experience is natural. Trusting our own physical senses is natural. Envying the lives and marriages of others is natural. Wishing you had more power over other people's decisions is natural. Manipulating situations so that you get a desired outcome is natural. Looking horizontally for a piece that can only be found vertically is natural. Wishing for things to change that you have no ability to change is natural. Giving way to despondency and discouragement and depression or despair is natural. Numbing yourself with material things and busyness and food and alcohol and other substances is natural. Lowering your standards to deal with disappointment is natural. But faith simply isn't natural. So in grace, in grace, God rescues you and me from natural thinking. When we enter into relationship with Him, He places within us His Holy Spirit so that what emanates from our being is a faith that is supernatural. Because it's born and birthed of something that is not of us, but is of Him. And it's based on the nature of God Himself who takes up residence within us. That is why there's nothing natural about you today because you are supernatural because of the One that lives within you. So we have a supernatural faith in the face of a natural world that has very little hope. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Scripture says, For it is by grace that you have been saved. Notice it didn't say it is by your works, it's by your goodness, it's by your righteousness, it's by anything that you can do. It is none of those things. It is by God's grace that you are saved through faith, and this not of yourself, but it's a gift from God. Aren't you glad we serve a God that's a gift giver? For those of you that love to receive gifts, He knows your love language and gives them to you. So God calls you to believe. He calls you to faith. And then with zeal, His Holy Spirit begins to craft you into a person who really does live by the faith that emanates from His Holy Spirit within your life. And today I'm going to ask that you would draw on all that faith 
that you have. You stated enthusiastically when we were singing, I believe that nothing is impossible. I believe that nothing is impossible. I'm going to ask you to draw on that belief and that faith in God today. The first thing that I want you to understand before we begin to pray for healing today is something about the Word of God and healing. If you are a Bible reader, and I trust that all of you are Bible readers, you'll recognize that healing didn't start in the New Testament. It started in the Old Testament. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament about healing. In fact, I'm not going to tell you all the stories, but let me just reference the fact that in Genesis chapters 18 through 21, you hear about the first miracle that took place in the aspect of Sarah, who was an old woman being told that she was going to have a baby. There's nothing natural about 100-year-old women having babies. It was supernatural. I've often wondered what it would look like to see an 80-year-old lady come walking in our church nine months pregnant. There's nothing natural about that. But God said it was going to happen. He not only said it was going to happen, He says it's going to be the lineage from which Jesus will come. It's going to happen because I stated it. And when God said something, you can believe it, regardless of what the physical circumstances may be. You move through the Old Testament and you get to Exodus and Exodus chapter 15 and you see the bitter waters of Morah. And you begin to see a new term that comes as the people of God looked to Him and called Him Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Or it can also be interpreted the one who makes us whole thoroughly. Makes us whole thoroughly. And in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, it says, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all of His decrees, I will not bring on any of you the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am a God who has healing in my hands and healing in my presence. And for those who are followers of me, I bring the gifts of healing to you. Some of you need to call on Jehovah Rapha today. We read a portion in Psalms which there was a moment when he said the people of God having done what he said, none of them were feeble. In other words, there was a, a healing of a land where everyone in the whole land, their physical ailments were healed and they all stood strong in the Lord because he's a healing God. In Numbers chapter 12, we are told of the healing of Miriam from leprosy, even though she had entered into a group of people that were speaking against God's anointed. The cloud of His glory had moved, and after it moved, she was there with leprosy because she had entered into saying things and doing things she ought not to do. But I am so glad that even in the Old Testament, the Scripture indicates to us that even if you've lived a life that is not pleasing the Lord, even if you've done some things in your life that God is not happy with and you're suffering the consequences, you are not left to live there because God is a healing God. And after seven days of suffering this, there was healing that was brought to her and her skin was made brand new and she was brought back into relationship with God one more time. In Numbers chapter 21, Again, the people of God complained and murmured, I can't believe that they would do that. And there was a release of poisonous snakes throughout the people. Poisonous snakes were doing what poisonous snakes do. They bit people. And people were dying. And as they're dying, they came to Moses and said, What are we going to do? And Moses took 
a pole and he put a bronze or a brazen serpent upon it and he said, if you get bit by the snake, you come and stand and look at this snake upon the pole and you will be healed. And God, through that virtue and through that aspect, began to release His healing virtue on the people. And He brought healing to them. And we know today that that pole with the snake on it was a type or a picture of what Jesus Christ would be when He hung upon the cross because that is where our healing comes from. He bore our sins and sickness on the tree. As you move forward within the Old Testament, you get to the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. You see in 1 Kings 17 where they raise a widow's son from the dead. Oh, hallelujah, that we have a God that not even death can resist Him. And then we come to the fascinating story in 2 Kings 5 of Naaman, the arrogant general, who when he was full of leprosy, found out that there was healing available. So he came with his troops and he was very disappointed when the prophet himself wouldn't even come out. But he sent a messenger out to tell Naaman, I'll just go dip in the, in the Jordan seven times. And he was thinking to himself, how? I am a general. I deserve the prophet himself. And finally, after his people calmed him down, they said, you know what? If they had told you something real hard to do, you'd have done it. Why don't you just go and do something easy and be obedient? So after getting off his high horse literally and figuratively, he obeyed, dipped in the river, and was healed. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21 is one of the most interesting verses in the Old Testament. Talking about the bones of Elisha. Listen to this. Once while some Israelites were burying a man. Okay, you got this in your mind? They literally have a body of somebody. They're taking it out to bury them. Suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood on his feet. That's just kind of weird. So powerful is the power of God and the presence of God that even the bones of Elisha, who had already gone on to glory, even within his bones, a dead body touched them, and in the middle of a funeral, he just ruins it. Can't even have a good funeral without people being raised from the dead. Then there's the great promise of Isaiah 53, 4. Surely He took upon He took on our infirmities and He carried our sorrows. Yet we consider Him stricken by God, smitten by Him and afflicted, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Punishment that brought us peace. Think about that. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we are healed. I want you to say that last line with me. By His wounds we are healed. By His wounds we are healed. Do you believe that this morning? If you believe that you are saved, if you believe that He took upon Himself all of your transgressions so that you could have His peace, then likewise believe the last part of that that says, by His wounds you are healed. Hallelujah. Then we move into the New Testament. There was healings by Jesus. I would be here all morning if I began to list them all. 
But let me just tell you a few of the things that Jesus was Lord over. We talked about you are Lord of all, and I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't help but thinking about what that means in this setting. Lord, you are Lord of all. There's nothing, there's nothing in your life or in your circumstances that is outside of His ability to do something about. Jesus was authority over demons and lepers and the blind and the deaf and the dumb and the epileptic and the fever and the paralytic and those that had withered limbs and those that the Scripture calls dropsy. As I did a little research on dropsy because that's not something I can find something in the pharmacy for, I discovered that dropsy in biblical times was the way that they described swelling whether it be encephalitis, swelling of the head of the brain, or swelling in different parts. If, if there was a lot of fluid in somebody and they could push on them and they could hear it, they called that dropsy. So the Lord is Lord over even the swelling that comes from fluid in our body. And He raised people to life. Healing in the New Testament wasn't just limited to Jesus. He also told His disciples. In fact, He commanded them in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He said, here's what you're to do in ministry. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. And then he stated this, freely you have received, so freely give. What I've done in your life, you now need to give and do in others. Now let me, let me apply that quickly to us. I do not want you for one moment to think that the gift of healing is limited to ministerial staff. In fact, I had Jeff this morning read out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talked about the manifestations of the Spirit. And, and oftentimes in a Pentecostal setting, we, we only talk about the, the oral manifestations of speaking in tongues and interpretation. But there's a list of nine things there that are mentioned that the church needs all of them. It may very well be that God is gifting you with a gift of healing. It may be that God is gifting you with a gift of supernatural faith where you just can believe things to a greater extent than others can and God will use you in that. Within all of those nine things, I am praying that God would release those among each of us within this church because there's no manifestation that's more important than the other because they are all needed in the life of the body. And so we're praying today that since you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you would freely give to others what you have been freely given as you pray for them. We see healing at work within the early church. There are two cases that I find particularly instances, two instances that I find particularly interesting. One of them was a lady by the name of Dorcas, also known as Tabitha. And Peter prayed and she was raised from the dead. And then there's another one called Euthychus, that Paul was preaching a particularly long-winded sermon. This young man was sitting in the window, got a little tired. If you're going to get tired in church, don't sit in the window on a third floor. Fell out of the window, hit the ground and died from a three-story fall. Paul went down there, prayed for him, and he came back to life. There were many healings. The man at the gate, beautiful, was healed. People healed of snake bites, devils cast out. Peter's shadow brought a healing touch. All of that to indicate that God may not do things the same way all the time, but it's still the Lord that does the work through us as we exist to magnify His name. 
And so knowing that Jesus brought healing, commanded His disciples to heal, saw it in the New Testament through His disciples, I want you to also know that Jesus heals in Grace Assembly today. Jesus heals in Grace Assembly today. And not just in Grace Assembly. I'm praying that there will be miracles as a result of our prayer. And I want you to know we are combining with churches across the state in this time of prayer and fasting. That today, across the state, across the nation, and around the world, everybody that is preaching the name of Jesus will see signs and wonders following that name today because we believe that He's capable of building His church through touching people's lives. Healing can come through the Word of God itself. Psalm 107 said, He sent His Word and healed them. He sent His Word and healed them. I have known cases where people were simply reading the Bible in devotions and God healed them while they were reading the Bible. Weren't even asking for it. In fact, last year at this time, we had somebody during our healing services that was praying for others to be healed and they got healed while they were praying for others to be healed. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 says this, One day he was teaching people who had come from every village in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. They were being healed while he was teaching. You could be healed right now. Right now. The second thing that I want you to notice is the will of God in healing. God's Word is God's will. If you're reading it in the Word of God, then you are reading God's will, and it's impossible to disconnect God's will from His Word. In fact, the purpose of the Word is to reveal His will. And so what does the Bible say about healing? Well, it says in 3 John chapter 2, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Ask bread, uh, and, and He will give you a stone talking about fathers. And he said, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts than you as parents want to give good gifts to your children? We want to do good things for our children. Our Father does even more than that. There's this aspect of His work on earth being done as it is in heaven. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, as it is in heaven, so be it here. I want you to know that there's no sickness in heaven. So Lord, send that manifestation to us that we might see that on earth within your church. James 5 16 says, pray for one another that you may be healed. That you may be healed. It's God's Word. Why is it God's will to heal me? Because He loves. Because He loves. Psalm 103.13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear Him. The reason He pulled this together is because we understand parental love for our children. For those of you that have one child, and you may have more there will be times you're going to think, how can I ever love another child as much as I love my first child? Then you have another child. And you begin to realize that the ability to love is not limited to an individual, but it's a capacity that God gives to us. And then you have grandkids and you realize there's even a deeper love than for your own kids. And a deeper patience. And some have said, why didn't I just start there? Because you would never have appreciated it if you didn't go through parenting first. He loves, and that's why He heals. I believe, according to Scripture, that the cross was for everyone. The stripes that He suffered are for all of us. And He heals because sickness is an enemy. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Meaning that there were other enemies that had to be destroyed. And so the moment that Jesus rose from the dead, the last enemy He destroyed was death, which means that He had destroyed sickness before that. So when we tie that together with the prophecy of Isaiah, by His stripes we were healed, we begin to recognize that the process that He went through in preparation for crucifixion was all for us. We get the benefits of the stripes that He suffered for us because the last enemy He enemy he defeated was death now there are times when we are seeking the will of God for healing that he will say wait if he tells you wait when you're praying for healing it must be because there's something else that is more important perhaps there's some detail to be worked out in your life perhaps there's somebody that's looking at you going through the middle of the storm that is recognizing that your ability to go through that with the joy and grace you do is only because of the existence of a Savior. And it might be that through your waiting, others come to Christ because of the way that you handle the situation because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. There are other times when the answer may not come directly because the enemy is fighting so hard to keep the answer from coming. We read in Daniel that the forces of heaven were being held back for 21 days while he was being prayed until Michael the archangel came and said, I'll take care of this. And then Daniel wept before the Lord when he realized that the Lord had heard him from his very first prayer, but that the enemy was fighting. I want you to know that there's a level of spiritual warfare for what we are going through. I can see it in these needs. I can see spiritual warfare all over some of the things that are written down here. Because you're in a battle for your your families. You're in a battle for your heart. You're in a battle for your children. You're in a battle. I want you to know the enemy hates God. And because he hates God, he hates you. But greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. So if you have prayed for a long time for healing and it hasn't come, don't stop praying. Because your prayers are being heard. Perhaps... If He tells you wait, it's because He wants to do a greater miracle in you than this right now. How do we respond when God says wait? We have to surrender. We, we surrender. For those of you that may be new to a Pentecostal church and you're wondering, why do people raise their hands? We do so because it's a posture of surrender. We open up our hands, which which in the old days when handshakes were first started, it was because you shook somebody's hands with the hand that you would use a weapon in to show them I have nothing in my hand against you. And you would shake hands with an open hand. We do that with an open hand before the Lord to say, Lord, I, I will not fight against what you want to do in my life. So I assume the posture of surrender to you. Because I need you to know that the, my physical posture mirrors my spiritual posture. That whatever you choose to do, I surrender to you. We know that Lazarus was not raised from his sickness and ended up dying because the Lord had something better for him. His sisters were really ticked off about it. They told Jesus, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus was wounded in his spirit, stood in front of that tomb, and spoke life into a dead body, and Lazarus came out. Let me tell you something. If he had raised Lazarus uh, from his sickness, he would have received the glory for it. But by raising him from the dead, it affected a whole community of people. Sometimes God has greater things in store when He says wait. 
Sometimes he says no. This is the part of the message you were hoping wouldn't come out. When God says no, there's something else going on. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and there's been a lot of discussion of what that might be, but Paul says, I prayed three times. Now, I would imagine he prayed more than three times, but I believe he fervently, with intent, prayed three specific times, Lord, remove this from me, and the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient. Whatever it was about this elevated the ministry of Paul to a place where he could be used in such a great way. And if the Lord says to you no, then you have to know that His grace is sufficient for you. It doesn't mean that He hates you. It doesn't mean that He's leaving you alone. It means He's got other plans for you. Thirdly, we see Jesus the healer. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, that he's been touched by infirmities. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. We serve... A Jesus Christ who was fully human and fully God. We talked about that at Christmas. I know Pastor Mark's message was on the incarnation of Jesus Christ, which means to us that He fully understands the humanity of our life. There's nothing that you are going through that He didn't experience that temptation. And all the temptations you face in your life, Jesus faced them too, but He didn't yield to any of them. But He understands us. He understands what you're going through. And as a result of that, He did it without sin so that we can approach His grace with confidence. I like that. In a little while, we're going to begin to pray, and we are going to pray with confidence because we've been told to. We're permitted to. We can come before Him with confidence that we will receive the mercy and find the grace that we need in our time of need. The Bible tells us again in Isaiah 53 that He took upon Himself our infirmities. We recognize today that we need mercy. We need help. It's unmerited, but... Micah 7.18 says he delights in mercy. He is more excited for us to get to the altar time than we are. Because he's there going, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I am so ready to move among them. Jesus is the healer because he has all authority over the devil too. He knows the snares. He knows the disease. He knows the cancer. He also is the creator. He knows how to mend. He knows what to do. He's not left with, ooh, I've never seen one of those before. He goes, I got this. The power of his knowledge is great. He has a thorough knowledge of Satan, his demons, and all of their schemes. Matthew 28, 18 says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Think about what that means for a moment. All power is given to him in heaven. A lot of power there. And on earth, nothing He can't do here. We have the authority in His name. Literally, when He says to us that we are to lay hands and pray for people, what He is saying is, is I will stand with you. Literally, standing in the place of Christ and by His authority in the name of Jesus, we stretch out our hands. And in Acts 4.29 it says, Stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. We come not in our own authority and not in our own power. We come in the power of the name of Jesus from whom the enemy must run. 
Oh, there's power in that name. Because His name is above every name. And lastly, we will lay hands and anoint with oil those who physically are in need. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 state this. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church and pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. Do you see this? You see this partnership that's there? If you're sick, come. The elders of the church will anoint you with oil and we'll pray the prayer of faith. And in doing that, we release the ability of the Lord to says, there will be healing take place because I will be working through the agents who are standing in confidence and faith believing that God will do something in your life. And so when you're being prayed for today, it's not... It's not just men and women that are laying hands on you, hoping that by their faith something can come of you. No, there's a partnership with the Holy Spirit that's at work there. And we are in a physical form to lay hands upon you while the spiritual power of God is, is coursing through our prayers and responding to that so that what takes place here is not a natural faith, but it is a supernatural faith that comes from the one who works in us. For those of you that may never have been prayed for and anointed with oil and prayed for before, let me just tell you a little bit about why we do this. Number one, when we lay hands upon you, and I will put oil on your head and, and lay hands either on your head or your shoulders, and there will be those joining around me. They'll put a hand on your shoulder or your arm. The reason we do that is because it gives us a contact point of faith. We are not going to shove you over. We are not here to show off and see how many people fall down. That is not what we do. How you respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit becomes a very individual thing. There have been times when people have experienced the power of God so strong that they couldn't stand. But I want you to know, we are not going to fake anything here. It's either genuine or God is doing something different. It must be the genuine power of the Lord. And so our hands become to you a point of contact. It becomes a bridge from the visible to the invisible. It becomes an expression of faith, an extension of His arm as we become the arms of the Lord as the Father has sent us, so sends He you. And so today I come to this church with security in my heart that we have prepared ourselves in prayer and fasting and trusting and faith that we can see God move in His church. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I would like somebody to slip downstairs, please, and let Pastor Julie know that we are about to enter into prayer. Last year, when we had our healing services, there were amazing testimonies. There were people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the aisles waiting to be prayed for. There were people that by the time they got to the front and said, I've already felt like God has done a work in me while I was just listening to other people being prayed for. There's an amazing atmosphere when the presence of the Lord comes among His people. One of the things we did discover last year was that there was times when ladies would come to the front and being that it, the deacons were all men and we're sitting there and there were times they would simply say, I, I just have an unspoken request because they didn't want to share with men what was going on. And so this year we're asking Pastor Julie, she will be here with a group of ladies who are also elders in their faith. And so that when we have the time to pray, 
Ladies, if you're more comfortable being prayed for with women, then there will be a group there to lay hands upon you and pray for you. Not that you have to, but we want to make it available. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us that song that he's our healer again as we begin to pray. And here's what I would like you to do. For those of you that may be here this morning and and you're well and things may be going well with you, what I'm going to ask you to do is we have all of these needs that are represented by prayer needs that we've had written out. I'm going to ask that that you would come and it's still it's it's only 11:40. We've got plenty of time. I'm going to ask that you would come and maybe take two or three of these and go back to your seats while we're praying and, and begin to pray for the needs of the people that are in our congregation. If you are in need this morning, I know that we have some people that are here today and and they're here because they've had bad news about cancer. He's Lord over cancer. We have people in our church that are testimonies of God's lordship over their cancer. There's others that you're here and there's, there's needs within your family and you're really at a loss. I don't know what else to do. And I want you to know that when we pray, we're going to pray that, that God will give you divine wisdom. That He will begin to do His work in the lives and hearts of people to bring back and restore our relationship, restore marriages. Whatever your need is today, you're in the presence of the living God who has overcome everything to win you. Before we pray, I just want to do this. If you're here today, I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes if you would please. And you've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never entered into a relationship and asked Him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. I want to offer you the introduction to a relationship with Jesus today. He doesn't come as a taker. He doesn't come to take your fun and to take your life. He comes as a giver. He says, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. What he takes from you is the guilt and sin, guilt of sin and the shame. And he takes your past and he removes it because it says, under the blood that he shed on the cross for us, that it's covered and he will never remember it against you again. He makes you a brand new creature. That's what he offers you today to be in relationship with him. And so if you're here today and you've never been in relationship with Christ, but you would like to start today, I'm going to be starting all the way over on the far left of the sanctuary, my far right, and I'm just going to ask if you would like to receive Christ today, that you would just lift up your head and look me in the eye, and I'm just going to simply say, I agree with you. Hallelujah. Is the Lord speaking to you today? Is this your day of salvation? Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Moving now into the the right center. Are there those today that say, today's my day? Today's my day. I'm going to enter into relationship with you. Moving now into the further center section here. Is today your day to receive Jesus? Are you ready to enter into a relationship? Yes, sir, I agree with you. Are there others? Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Yes, ma'am, I agree. Moving all the way over to the far right. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Into the overflow. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to ask that you would open your eyes and that you would stand with me. For those of you that said today is my day, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, a prayer of inviting Jesus into our life, and I want you to know I never get tired of praying this prayer. Never get tired of it. But we're going to do it together. 
so that we can welcome new people into the family of God today. So close your eyes and repeat after me if you would, please. Dear Jesus, I've heard today that you're a healer. Will you heal my sin? Will you forgive me? Will you write my name in the Lamb's book of life? And will you make me into a new creature? Will you teach me to respond to you? And to hear your voice? And to know your leading? Help me to please you as I seek you day by day. I rejoice today that I have found you. And there's rejoicing in heaven that I responded to you. Today you are my Savior, my Deliverer, my Forgiver, and my soon-coming King. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I'm going to ask my deacons if they would please come forward. Pastor Julie, if you and the team that you've selected, if they would please come forward. We're going to have right over here our prayer team for our women over here for the men. You can go to either team if you're couples. There's not one team that's more anointed than the other. We have oil here. We're going to ask that if you want to be prayed for for needs, that you would kind of come and line up in the center aisle. And if you can't stand in the aisle, then please be seated and then you can come. I'm going to ask for the rest of you to please come and take a hold of some of these needs and go back to your seats for a few minutes and begin to use your gift of prayer and faith on behalf of those others that are here. And we are going to thank God ahead of time for what you're going to do. Lord Jesus, we are about to begin to seek you for signs and wonders and healing to take place. We've prepared ourselves. We have sacrificed food, Lord, and time so that we can be sensitive to your leading. And I pray that whatever gifts of the Spirit you want to manifest among us today, that you have your will be done. But, Lord, you are Lord over disease, and we take authority over that in Jesus' name today. You are Lord over relationships. We take authority over that in Jesus' name today. And we give you glory for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's prepare ourselves to pray.